confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello, and welcome back to the Dean Dome Talk. I'm Gaddy, and joining me is my squeaky chair. Um, yes, uh, that means it is me monologuing today. Um, Andrew has a very, very busy life, but uh, I felt it was extremely important to get out this special episode. Because, uh, as you could tell, there was no uh, preview before our uh, intro, It w- because this is... March Madness. Things are not as they seem. So, um, the last episode, uh, we talked about the UNC Duke game at Cameron, spoiling Coach K's final home game, which just, it's, it's gonna have a special place in everybody's heart. Um, every Tar Heel fan's heart, and sure, it's gonna be in Duke fans' hearts, uh, painfully, uh, which, it, it kind of brings a smile to my face. Um, but, Today, we're going to be talking about the UNC's basketball postseason. There's going to be no NBA talk, no NFL, no quick fire. We're going to jump straight into this postseason for UNC so far and where we stand now. Now, this is being recorded March 23rd. This is a Wednesday. The team, I believe, about 20 minutes ago just left Chapel Hill on the bus, heading to the airport to fly up to Philly. So, uh... Let's go ahead and jump into this. So, with the end of the uh, UNC Duke game, the postseason started. UNC had a double bye in the ACC tournament, and that meant that we had to wait for our opponent. Um, I looking at my looking at the bracket. Um, I believed that we would be facing Louisville. Um, I thought they'd sort of get their act together because they're a talented squad, but it just wasn't their day. Uh, they lost to UVA in the second round of the ACC tournament, which meant that Andrew was correct and that we would be playing against UVA in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. So, um, quickly mentioning that, um, that game, let's go, let's go into the good, bad, ugly of this game. The good... We took a Virginia team that had no business being in the ECC tournament, or in the NCAA tournament, my bad, uh, down. We took that team down with no problems, despite not really shooting the very best. Um, And that's the bad part here. Our shooting was not very good that game. But what was ugly about this game was Virginia's shooting. (laughs) It was even worse. Um, That's just not a shooting night to remember for them. Uh... If I can pull up their scoring, their, their box score real quick. Um, 27% from three. I mean, technically we shot 26% from three. Technically it's worse. Um, they shot 34% from the field in general. It's just not the greatest shooting night from them. You have to remember that our shooting stats came down because we put in... Uh, bunch of bench players in to round out the game, so it's going to bring it back down. Um, so, yeah, there's not really much to say about this. Virginia's season has been really topsy-turvy. Um, we'll probably do a post-season analysis for the entire ACC, 
uh, in our next regular episode of the Dean Don't Talk, um, which would be after March Madness, but uh, maybe we'll see. Um, but they, they have a few wins, and it was enough to get them to the NIT. So they're not a bad team, but they're not an NCAA tournament team. But uh, that win warranted us a matchup, a rematch with uh, Virginia Tech, uh, who managed to beat uh, Notre Dame. That that was kind of a surprise for me. I thought that Notre Dame would have a stronger postseason, which I was correct. It just came a little bit later than I anticipated. Um, so it was a Virginia Tech-UNC matchup in the second round. Andrew also got that one. So he is a two-for-row against me. Uh, actually... Talking about the rest of the ACC tournament before we reach the Notre Dame and the Virginia Tech UNC game, uh, I predicted Pitt to go through between Pitt and Boston College. Instead of Andrew, we both got that wrong. We both predicted Wake Forest would go through to face Miami. We were both wrong. It was a Boston College team that managed to make it through somehow. So <laughs> we got that really wrong. And to be honest, Boston College just came out of nowhere to do that. Uh, I think Pitt was taken off guard, but definitely Wake Forest was taken off guard in that. But Miami had no trouble, really, uh, or not as much trouble with Wake Forest. Uh, Andrew had predicted Wake Forest, actually, to make it through against Miami. Um, Or, sorry, Boston College. What am I saying? Boston College in Miami. Um, I believe that was a close game at the end. Uh, it's, It's too long for me to remember. In any case... There's just Duke versus Miami. There's only ever going to end one way. Duke win. And I guess that now brings us to the other half of the ACC tournament, which is uh, Virginia Tech and UNC. Now, Virginia Tech is a very well-drilled team. Uh, So this trying to beat Virginia Tech is a different story from trying to beat Virginia this season. Uh, this Virginia Tech team, as it would turn out, was very, very hot. And they would win the entire ACC tournament. So let's talk about the good of this game. Uh, the good, Armando, before he fouled out, had 19 points, 14 rebounds on 90% field goals um, efficiency. That's pretty darn good, I gotta say. It doesn't get that much better than that. Uh, the bad was just about everything else. This Virginia Tech did a very good job of getting us out of rhythm. And getting us out of rhythm is an important thing I'm going to be bringing up later. But um, the ugly about this game was our three-point percentage. Now, if you remember from the previous UNC-Virginia Tech game at Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech shot, I think, I think it was 3 of 26 from 3. Well, they returned the favor to us and forced us to be 3 of 26 from 3. Um, and that's basically a recipe for disaster. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Brady Manick were just not able to get their shots to, to flow. And Virginia Tech, by doing this, showed the country why they should be going to the NCAA tournament. An extremely well-coached team with plenty of talent. This game wasn't... Very close, but the shot attempts lean towards an even game where the deciding factor is basically UNC's conversion rate 
not being up there. If that sort of makes sense. Both teams were able to get shots off. Virginia Tech was making them. UNC was not, essentially. And ended, that ended up resulting in a Virginia Tech-Duke final with Virginia Tech taking it. Just Coach K not getting that uh, trophy that he's been looking for to end his season. Um, or for his last season. He still has a opportunity to get the biggest of all trophies this season, but uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. So uh, let's move on. ACC tournament done, and that solidified a few teams making it to the tournament. Of course, UNC and Duke making it. Miami would make it. Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Five teams from the ACC. Now, the common theme here has been that ACC this year's real weak, guys. You know, everybody's catching up to them. You better look out. We'd find out pretty quick that's not the whole story of what's going on. So, um, without further ado, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, about the NCAA tournament. Uh... Getting back to my notes over here. Now, before I jump into this, I I remember, and I've looked back at my notes, that I predicted UNC going to have 28 wins this season. Um, going into the ACC tournament, Carolina had 24 wins. So it's a little bit of a steep ask to to get this team up to 28 wins. That means making a Final Four. And I had also said this year that this team's ceiling is probably the Elite Eight, the Final Four. And that was before we lost Anthony Harris and before we lost Dawson Garcia. For different reasons for each of them, of course. Now, knowing what we know now, it's not that crazy. So let's go ahead and jump into that. So, the NCAA tournament, as it was drawn, as the committee decided it would be, here here were my initial thoughts. The East was definitely the hardest region. That was then followed by the South. So in the East, your big hard-hitter teams... And your little bit tricky teams include Baylor, UNC, Texas, Virginia Tech, UCLA, Purdue, Kentucky, and St. Mary's. Why St. Mary's? Well, they just beat Gonzaga not very long ago, might I add. And then the South has Arizona, Houston, Illinois, Michigan, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Loyola Chicago. Now, Ohio State and Loyola Chicago, Ohio State has some player talent to make to cause upsets and cause some chaos. And Loyola Chicago has this the team chemistry, the team spirit, and the coaching and the talent really to do the same thing. Though they were lower seated. Though Ohio State and Loyola Chicago had to play each other first. Uh oh, also, I did forget Villanova's in that group too. So if Arizona, Houston, Illinois, Michigan, Tennessee weren't enough, you've got also Villanova in there. So uh, how about that? 
for a group. So the east and the south are basically really close to each other in their difficulty. So whoever's going to the final four out of there, you better beware. They're, they're going to be battle-tested. They can be very, very battle-tested. So following the south region, we have the west region. Now in the west, you've got some pretty hard hitters, some pretty good teams in here. You've got Gonzaga, very, very hard hitter. Duke, good team. Arkansas, okay, they're, they're, they're very good. They're a four seed. Memphis, oh, Memphis. This is the team that gets all those five-star recruits but doesn't really end up doing much with it. Maybe the tournament's enough to get them supercharged to do something, a little bit more uh, spirit or, some, or uh, motivation is the word I'm looking for there. Alabama, the pure agent of chaos this season, beating so many ranked teams but also losing to so many unranked teams. They are such a oddball wild card in there. Notre Dame, I, I thought they're going to have a pretty strong uh, postseason. Uh, even a strong season at the beginning of the year. I had a feeling that this was their time after building for a couple years. Um, and Michigan State, you can never count Michigan State out. Tom Izzo is a very, very good coach there. Um and then the Midwest is the last region. This is the region that everybody was just basically pointing as like, look, Kansas has a straight line to the Final Four. Who, who's going to stop them? The only team possibly, the only two teams possibly in there who could stop them are Wisconsin and Auburn. And lo and behold, my, the bigger teams, the stronger teams in my opinion in the Midwest were Kansas, Wisconsin, Auburn, and Miami. So. Putting that all together, the easiest path, just by elimination, is the Midwest. That is the easiest path to the Final Four. Though it does require going through Kansas. Um, or Unless you are Kansas. Which, if you are Kansas trying to get through Kansas, then there's a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a problem. So, I... Now, with all that in mind... Let's look at the brackets for a little bit. Now, in my philosophy, every person is allowed two brackets. Two fair brackets. Fair game brackets. One where your team wins it all. You just find that way to win it all. And there is no shame in that. And two, the bracket of, this is what's really going to happen. In my opinion, both are fair game. Because... What is being a fan if you can't have some enthusiasm and hope that your team is going to do something miraculous, you know? And for Carolina, you know, championship is the aim every season. So um, my no-nonsense bracket, the, uh, you know, let me tie an anchor to my feet and make sure I'm planted on the ground here. My no-nonsense bracket had Gonzaga, Purdue, Tennessee and Auburn in the final four. Now, looking at that, I I was pretty confident in this bracket. Now, the reason is I felt Tennessee had one of the most well-rounded teams. Um, so, I, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Because uh, I will be talking about them in a little bit. Um, 
And I had, out of that Final Four, a Gonzaga-Tennessee championship game with Gonzaga finally winning it after what's considered a sort of a topsy-turvy season for them. Um, and a season that I would say is indicative of a true champion. Because you can't know success if you haven't known failure. And a lot of the problem with recent Gonzaga teams is that they're just going through and just leaving the... the uh, the West Coast is just a bloodbath, really. Um, there's just no challenge for them at all. But this season, they have experienced failure. They've had they ha- they've had the talent, but they haven't been just stomping over everybody without a problem. Uh, they have losses to their name, uh, even though they're still number one. Uh, speaking of failures, though. That's exactly what happened to my bracket. In this case, my no-nonsense bracket. One half of my entire bracket has gone down thanks to Miami and Michigan. And um, I'm going to be honest, I am not very surprised about Miami beating Auburn. Miami, when they're hot, is really, really hot. And Auburn had some struggles coming into the NCAA tournament. For all the talk of Walker Kessler in consideration of being the AP Player of the Year, that Miami game won't help him in that conversation. He just couldn't take the physicality of Miami. The ACC is rough. If only he had stayed at a school that would have helped him improve that aspect of his game instead of having his dad work on a transfer during the middle of the season, uh, December, uh, for, clar- for clarification, because a three-time uh, national champion and Hall of Fame coach said that his son's three-point percentage isn't good enough to chuck threes like Kevin Durant. If only he hadn't transferred, maybe he would be improving his physicality and improving his game overall. But no, had to transfer. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, I, I don't like having uh, beef unless it's cooked on a grill. Uh, but. Yeah, Miami, Larinaga is an extremely good coach. And I remember at the beginning of the season saying that Larinaga had walked under all the ladders, broken so many pain, uh, so many mirrors and all the bad luck, and that maybe this year was the year it would the bad luck would run out, especially with injuries, and that he'd get things going. I think I got that right, but I don't think I got it quite to the extent. I didn't think they'd be this good. I thought they'd be... Pretty good, but not this good. Uh, but fair play. They, they are very hot right now. And we'll get to the matchups in the Sweet 16 in a little bit. But uh, moving on, the other side of my failure, or the other half of my failure, is Tennessee. And they fell short to Michigan. And... I remember saying earlier this year, I, I know I'm tooting my own horn here, horn here a lot, but and and honestly, I have no shame when 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 you're right, toot your own horn. When you're wrong, admit it and move on. Uh, I remember saying that Michigan would find a way to win, even though the losing their vets would be really tough. I had said that Juwan Howard had a really good setup because he had vets right there to help him in his coaching journey at the beginning. 
it helped him get over the hump. Uh, really. And losing the vets lo- helps lose that locker room and helps lose keeping the play moving. It makes it harder for him to impose his game on uh, his mind on the game. But it seems now that it, it's starting to get up there. Yeah, Michigan's been more up and down than than us this season. That's saying something. I'd say it's a little bit comparable to Alabama. Uh, I don't know if they're quite as good as Alabama when it comes to that, but they are another wild card I had in this tournament. Um, they could beat in almost anybody, and they could lose to almost anybody as well. Um, but upsetting, I'm in quotes, air quotes, upsetting Colorado State bought Michigan a chance to lose with honor against Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's one of the best seeds in the tournament, of course. Uh, so, with that being said, now let me put it this way. I mentioned Tennessee earlier, but Tennessee's team, in my opinion, was a favorite for the Final Four because of their team structure. They had very good shooting, very good guards, good passing, good size. They had everything. But there is a rule in basketball. You live by the three, you die by the three. And Tennessee died by the three. Um, Michigan can handle and out-hustle Tennessee in the paint thanks to Hunter Dickinson, who is having a tournament, by the way, um, who's put up 27 points. Even with the cold shooting, though, it was a two-point game with a minute 30 left. In any case, Michigan fought for both of their wins and a chance to play Villanova. Of all teams they want to play... I don't know if Villanova's the one they're going to have a a big chance against. Um, It's going to be a bit spicy. That's going to be a fun game. Then Honestly, I can't wait for it. Uh, I can't wait for any of the Sweet 16 games, to be honest. They're all going to be really, really good. Um, Of course, starting tomorrow. Uh, Now let's talk about Gonzaga for uh, a minute or two. Their first two games do warrant that a little bit. Now, Gonzaga had some trouble with Memphis and Georgia State. Um, I forgot the exact scores at halftime for them both, but they were either tied or behind in both of those games, I believe. At least at some point, not in the first 10 minutes. Um, Even in the second half, both games were pretty close until Gonzaga just put their foot through the floor and uh, stepped on the pedal, I guess, to uh, pull away. This and this Gonzaga team is doing something we don't often see them do, and that's stumble. They clearly have the talent to stomp over anybody, but for some reason it's just not ticking perfectly all the time. Or even like even for the, the entire season, it's just not been ticking. Um, so keep an eye on that because I believe Arkansas is going to give them a hell of a fight. Um, that is the game to watch. I, I must say. Uh, Arkansas will make it a very, very tough game. Um, so, a couple more things to mention before the uh, Carolina game uh, against, or just the Carolina games in general. Uh, Virginia Tech's number came up. I guess, I guess winning the ACC tournament isn't bad for the season, but uh, they were red hot. But just they just didn't have enough to get over that Texas team. Um, 
I was just a bit surprised about that. I thought they'd get at least past the first round. They were definitely good enough to do it. Um, and another note, Kentucky, St. Peter's, nothing more to be said there, there. just, uh, Calipari, Coach Calipari is now 9-1 and one in the first round, um, <laughs> that was an interesting game, might I say, and even with that, St. Peter's moved on to, uh, the Sweet 16, <laughs> so... That's that's just gonna be fun. What can I say? Um, I guess it's time to talk about the UNC stuff. So, looking at the bracket from the beginning, we're gonna now zoom back out to the to the full view of the bracket, and then center back on the uh, east. I believe it's the east. Yeah, the east. Carolina had a tough potential schedule. If this team was to reach my preseason prediction of twenty eight wins. And an Elite Eight or slash Final Four. One of those. Um, after losing to Wake Forest in Miami, I don't think anybody thought we'd be right here. Uh, where where we are. But to get to 28 wins requires the heels, to re- the heels to reach the Final Four. By going through those teams mentioned earlier in the East. Get past Marquette. And a well-coached number one seed Baylor team greets you. If you get past them, okay, you get past them. Okay, let's just say that that happens. Then you're going to have to face one of Indiana. They're a wildcard team. St. Mary's, they're a pretty good team. And none other than UCLA. (laughs) The quote-unquote Cinderella team, one of the Cinderella teams of last season. Who just... They're very well coached, and they have tremendous talent. We'll get to them in a second. None of these are easy games. Okay, so who who would wait? A, okay, let's just say we just beat all of them. We, we, we've won in the Sweet 16. Who can we possibly face? Okay. Oh, it's just one of Kentucky, Purdue, Texas, Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah. This was never going to be easy. This was never going to be easy by any means. So, all we have to do is one thing. Survive and advance. All we have to do, survive and advance. Get to the next game. So, with that being said, let's talk about the round of 64 matchup. UNC versus Marquette. Now, going into this game, I was concerned. I, 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 sometimes I just am overly paranoid about certain games. And why I was concerned is that for some reason, Shaka Smart has a BS record against UNC. He, he just happens to keep winning against us. So, a, super, a, little, a little bit superstitious, a little stitious, let's just say that. Um, I, going into the game, I was just concerned. Like, please, please, just, let's just get past this first round and see what happens. So, the good, bad, ugly about this game. The good, Brady Manic. <laughs> I don't think this requires uh, much more explanation than just saying Brady Manic. Uh, this guy had 28 points that game, 11 rebounds on 50% three-point shooting. That's real darn good, I gotta say. Really, really good. Um, 
the bad that this game was Tyler Kolek, one of the guards on Marquette. He's probably had his worst game in a long time. He's not going to remember this game very fondly at all. Uh, but also, on the flip side, R.J. Davis didn't really have his best game. One of ten shooting is not really the best thing. And then the good ugly, you know, the good ugly, you know, this is a good thing. Um, in an ugly way, if it makes sense. This Carolina team is purring right now. It's working really hard on both ends, and it's showing. All right, so that that's round one. Not too much to say about it other than my squeaky chair. Um, let's okay. Let's talk about round two here. This is this is the game that was concerning. Okay, this was the game that I was really afraid of. Baylor is so well coached to the point that losing so many starters and still being top ranked in this country despite injuries as well that that's just something else i've got to say it takes it takes a really good team to do that um so this game the unc baylor game nobody liked this game i don't think anybody on either side liked this game the good part of this game, though, was that Carolina came out strong. How strong? Like, really strong. A 25-point lead strong behind Mannix 28 points. The bad part about this game was the referees. Holy crap. A flagrant two on Manic. A flagrant two deserves to be, like, for the intentional things. For scuffles, fist fights, not an elbow behind a player. Manic, like... He doesn't realize exactly where this guy's face is. That's that's flagrant one. I don't think that's a flagrant two. Especially in a game like this. Maybe in a normal season game, regular season game, is not a, a rivalry. You do flagrant two and just say it's regular season. But this is an elimination game. You don't do that. And the worst thing about this is that Two of the three referees in this game have moved on to the next round, and one of them is going to be in Philly, um, where the winner of this game goes to play Purdue and St. Peter's. Um, the ugly part of this game was the collapse following Brady Manick's ejection. That collapse was U-G-L-Y ugly. If there was ever a reason to have this part of the post-game review, this is why. This collapse is why. 11 of the next 14 fouls were called against Carolina. Some were fair. There were fair fouls in there. Some were not. Um, Caleb Love fouls out as a result of this. And then things got really bad. Now, our only three ball handlers are... Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Leakey. At a stretch, Leakey. I don't like him handling the ball too, too much. That's it. Losing Love hurts us down the court. And it did hurt us down the court during the full court press slash traps that Baylor was just using during the second half. 
They smelled blood, and they were going for the kill. Everything was going against us. Armando got four fouls um, with plenty of time to go. So the question is, how did we survive? How, like twenty-five point lead, yeah, bank it. You know, put the put the money in the bank. We won that game. Oh wait, they just they're coming back. What do you? How do you stop that? So how and how did we stop that? Well. Here's a few things. Some were in our control, some were not in our control. But let's talk about this. Um, so three things. The first, this game slowed down considerably later on, and especially in overtime. Baylor was playing on hype and fire and adrenaline. That doesn't last forever. 25 points is a large hill to climb over. Well, while they did get the lead a couple times in OT, they didn't. It, that lead didn't live for very long. The game slowing down helped that fire in Baylor's corner burn out a bit. Just slowly, just burned away, and they came back down to earth a little bit more. It became less of making these random threes and more of trying to get into lane and draw a foul or taking bad threes or just getting real tired and getting short threes. So, the game slowing down helped us at the end. Uh, number two, R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott both made huge buckets. Gigantic buckets. Buckets you should see from space. And let's add rebounds in there for Armando. And they basically both kept us on the board. They both kept us in the game. Um... Looking at the exact stats, Armando had, he didn't have that many points, but he had 15 points and 16 rebounds. That's that's a double-double right there. Uh, Brady Manick, before getting ejected, 26 points. The only other big source of points were twofold. R.J. Davis with 30 points. 30 on 5 of 10 shooting from 3, which is really darn good. And number three, the the other the other player, and who was number three on my list of why we managed to pull this game out, was Dontre Styles. Twenty five minutes for the freshman. That's the most I think I've seen him play this year. Um, in that twenty in the twenty five minutes, we saw a glimpse of what he will be in the years to come. At least in my opinion, he is an all round player. His defense needs work, but he has the size and the length. He's uh, he's six six. I'm unsure of what his wingspan is, but uh, Dontrez has the hustle and the determination. And on one play of note, Dontrez went for a bucket, and then ha- it, the ball was stolen from him. What did he do right after? He stole it right back. He did not give up on the play to the point where he got the ball back from a Baylor player who had just turned away from him and he thought, like, this guy isn't going to come back for the ball. No, Dontres took the ball back and put it where it belongs, getting an easy dunk too. He worked for that bucket. That's something I really, really liked from him. And let's, let's not forget the massive three we saw in overtime. <laughs> that, that three, it, it's changed the game. 
it, it basically really iced the situation. We saw Puff get the light earlier. Dontrez is coming up right here. Dontrez is a better player to toss in these defensive matchups versus guards and small forwards. Um, I believe, at least for the tournament. He's a short small forward at 6'6". So he's he's straddling that line between a guard and a forward. Um, and he can be used pretty advantageously as an auxiliary too. His size can help him defend a bit better against guards, and he certainly has the speed to do that as well. Fowles, of course, will trouble him. He's a freshman. What can he do? He just needs... He needs that off-season, that summer practices uh, to get better. Um, so, I really like what I saw out of Dontrez. It's part of, he's, he's not playing as big of a role as I thought he would play at the beginning of the season. I got that wrong. But him coming in right now, that's really, really good. It's This is essentially giving us Puff and Dontrez off the bench who can take some valuable minutes away from our starters so they can rest up. Because these games are higher intensity. We need to make sure our starters, who are the point getters for this team, are fresh or still have the energy throughout the entire game to give 110, 120%. So, yeah, I, I really like what I've seen here. And to round this Baylor-UNC game up... This is a massive win for Hubert Davis, for Coach Hubert Davis, just and this whole and this whole Carolina team in general. They, they just this team has gotten huge props across the college basketball world. People were talking about the ACC being underrated this season and UNC being underseeded uh, as well. And also, what contributed to the ACC talk was Miami upsetting Auburn. Um. So, with that being said, it's basically time for a prime time matchup against UCLA. Um, it's, an old, it's like a 9.45, 10 o'clock tip-off um, on CBS on Friday. Just it's, it's for the UCLA crowd, for, uh, for them to be able to watch it at a decent time, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's time to talk about UCLA for a little bit. UCLA concerns me in that their defense is really, really, really good. They will get a lot of steals. They also know how to score from anywhere. So our big advantage here is Armando. I don't think they have anyone on their team that can stop Armando. I don't think they they don't. They do at all. So the trick, though, is going to be getting the ball to Armando. We've seen this season that teams pushing our passing lanes and stopping us from getting the ball to Armando will usually beat us. They basically cut off our outlet and drive us off the three-point line or just cause us to get turnover after turnover after turnover that we just can't get out of the hole after that. So what we're going to need to do is force them to space their defense out, take care of the ball, and then... Make sure the driving lanes are open to the paint. I think what we're going to see a lot of, especially since we've seen a lot of it recently, is R.J. Davis driving into the paint and handing it off or passing it to Armando for an easy two. That's what I'm hoping to see. Now, 
Defensively, we have to make sure their guards don't get Armando in foul trouble. I can see a lot more of Puff and Dontrez in this game. Their, their size is going to be useful because UCLA basically plays with four guards. Um, but they are they're sort of bigger guards. Um, six foot five, six foot six. Um, so Dontrez will be fairly useful for the shot contest and basically taking some time off to, uh, the starters to make sure they have an opportunity to rest. Uh, but I can also see the the UCLA vest is drawing so many fouls off of Dontrez and Puff. Uh, Puff has had trouble with his fouls. Dontrez didn't have the best time uh, not fouling last game. So we will see. There, One thing of note is that for UCLA, there was a concern about Jaime Jaquez, um, whether he's going to be healthy enough for the game on Friday after rolling his ankle. What I've seen is that he's been walking on it pretty fine. He's probably going to play, um, but people think he's going to play. But in my putting it this way, walking on your ankle after you've rolled it is different from sprinting jumping and shooting off of that ankle in a, like in a competitive basketball game. That's why Joel Berry rolling both of his ankles in 2017 was such a big issue and such a big props such such a big prop for Joel Berry that he managed to do it for the championship. That guy is tough as nails. So um we'll see if uh Jaime Hawkes is going to be good to go whether he's going to be 100% um, we will see, but, uh, that's, that's where we stand right now. Uh, so with that preview, the UNC UCLA game, from what I've seen predictions wise so far, it is UCLA a four seed, UNC an eight seed. I've seen CBS just basically go and say, this UCLA is going to get through. UNC doesn't really... UNC is good, but they're not good enough to get past UCLA. Vegas says UCLA getting through, like, was it like a two-point, two-and-a-half-point favorite, something like that. ESPN is a little bit mixed about it. This game is unpredictable, in my opinion. This is a game where both teams are going to basically go all-in for it, as you would for a Sweet 16 game. But these are... Two incredibly talented, two hot teams right now. I think we can do it. I think Armando presents a question that UCLA can't answer, to be honest. So that that's my two cents about it. And with all the hype UCLA is getting from ever from all the major outlets, it would be nice for UNC to shut the ups, shut the uh, predictors up a little bit, show them we're serious uh, here getting to the Elite Eight. But in any case, let's talk about the other Sweet 16 games. Let's stay in the East for a minute. Purdue and St. Peter's. St. Peter's has been the Cinderella of the tournament so far. Are they going to make it? Are they really going to make it to the Elite Eight? I mean, I've seen a lot of people basically say as the reason for their success, God is on their side. I don't think it's very wise to bet against God. So the question is, does St. Peter's have God on their side, or are they actually a talented team that just 
that played very, very, very well. And I'm going to lean on the latter here. Uh, I'd like to think God is on everybody's side here. So um, I think Purdue is just a lot more of a talented team. They've seen what St. Peter's does. There's two games of uh, material of what St. Peter's does. I don't think they're going to repeat the same mistakes as previous teams. Um, I think we're going to see Purdue in the Elite Eight. Uh, so, sorry to the St. Peter's uh, fans out there, but it was a good run for them. Um, let's move to the Midwest. Uh, Iowa State and Miami. This is not what I had expected to be in this little corner here. I had expected... Uh, Auburn, Wisconsin. I I expected Wisconsin to do a lot more than that, but uh, nevertheless, we have Iowa State, and Miami. I think it's just Miami. Miami's coaching is too good. They're too hot right now. I don't think Iowa State can handle it. Um, Kansas and Providence. Can Providence really do something to Kansas here? I mean, we've seen Texas really get at Kansas, but. At Kansas, I'm not. And Providence is a higher seed, but I'm not sure they're. I have this feeling they're not the best four seed. They they wouldn't be one of the better four seed. Like UCLA and Providence are both four seeds. UCLA is significantly better in my opinion than Providence. Um, I just see Kansas going through. So we'll have a Miami Kansas Elite Eight game. Um, that Kansas Miami might give Kansas a problem if they meet, and that was that would be a fun game. But I'm not going to go ahead and predict the Elite Eight games here. Um, jumping back up to uh, the South region, Michigan Villanova. Michigan's good, but Villanova is such a drilled team. Um, I liked what they said on CBS the inside the March Madness. Villanova is not a team that's going to beat themselves. I think it was Charles Barkley who said that, or uh, somebody else on there said that. But Villanova won't beat themselves. Michigan has to beat them with better shot making, better talent. So I'm going to see Villanova going through. And I'm going to say Houston's going to make it out between Arizona and Houston. Houston just has that X factor to them. That I feel Arizona is really, really good, but I have that feeling that Houston has that. This is on this is this is the Arizona Houston game is all vibes, no tactics here, in my opinion. Uh, I just think Houston's going to get through to play Villanova. Um, Texas Tech and Duke. I think Texas Tech is going to frustrate Duke, they're going to straight up frustrate them, but. Duke still scores. It's really up to can Texas Tech score more than Duke while using Texas Tech's frustrating defense. That's just, I think Texas Tech is going to make it through. Um, and Gonzaga, Arkansas, it's going to be Gonzaga. Uh, I, Arkansas is going to give them a really good run for their money, but Gonzaga is just shown that they have the resiliency to make adjustments during the game and get their head straight during a game to go and win it. So, uh, yeah, that, that is my Sweet 16 prediction. Um, we'll be back 
at some point to wrap up the college basketball season. And um, after that episode, that is the end of season one of the Dean Dome Talk. And we'll begin immediately after that with season two. Um, we'll just basically call each season after March Madness. But um, until then, stay safe, enjoy March Madness, and uh, have a good day.